0: Um, first, I want to say, kids, where are you at again? Hands up here so I can see where you're at. So I know we can talk to you a little bit here. Great to have all of you with us. You need to know that people look out for you at our church. Uh, Joel wasn't kidding when he said that uh, that we've got a kids' table. This I've been going to potlucks for 43 years. I've never been to a potluck with a kids' table before. And this is great. And the kids' uh, table, it, it came because, uh, I think it was Dell, was if I'm getting the story right... Dell Hopper brought some hot dogs for the kids, and all the big people ate the hot dogs. And so he's like, we will have a table with hot dogs for the kids. So don't eat their hot dogs. There's a table. We're serious about this. Dell will tackle you. <laughs> and then we got all that to deal with. So I tried this morning, he says. So there's a separate table. Look for it and, uh, and, and help yourself. Also, kids, I'm glad you're here. Christy you could step up. We're going to do a little Name That Tune here this morning. There was a a game show that used to be on TV, and some of us are old enough to remember it. Uh, It was called Name That Tune. Name That Tune. I want to ask for a show of hands of who remembers that show, but you did it anyway, and you're proud enough to admit it. Okay. Um, And and what the, the game show was is they would play a song, and you would try to guess what it is, okay? So kids. Christy's going to play a song. And as soon as you know what it is, raise your hand, okay? As soon as you know what it is, raise your hand. Got a couple. Three. Anyone else? Some back there. Ooh, more people are getting it. Oh, got it? Got it? All right. Yell the song out. What is it? Silent Night. Give these kids a hand. They got it. Very good. Silent Night. You guys are great at this. Well, the reason we started with that song Silent Night is that it's, it's, it's kind of like what we're going to be talking about today, because today we're going to be looking at one of the Christmas stories that the Bible tells, the one that John tells about when God came to earth and what that was all about. And the reason we're picking the song Silent Night is that it's a great Christmas song, but one of the things that was so cool about Christmas, the first Christmas, the real Christmas, is that God broke silence and shone light into the darkness. And that's one of the reasons why it's such a great thing. In fact, I've got a little helper up here today. This is Mr. Foamhead. And uh, this is what we would be like if it weren't for God stepping into our world. This is what some of us are like now. We'll talk about that too. But this is what we'd be like. If God hadn't stepped in at Christmas, it would always be dark. And our ears would always be silent to the things that God wants to say. So this is not what we want to be like towards God, is it? Oh, no, no, no. We want to be more like this helper over here. Uh, this, kind of, this time of year, my complexion looks a lot like this. But we want to be this where we're able to see and we're able to hear what God has for us today. That's what we want to do. Um, in fact, this is such an important idea that everyone, grownups and kids, could you write this down? Um, if you're not a writer, you can just listen. But, but take a look at this. This is, the, this is what we're going to be talking about today. And it's so important because those who miss the point of today's Christmas story, the one that, that John tells us today, they live in what's called a perpetual silent night. Perpetual means always, ongoing, constant. Um, those who miss the point of today's story, you're going to live in a perpetual silent night. You'll, you won't be able to hear or see what God himself wants to reveal. That's a big, big deal. Well, today we're going, to be talk, we're going to be looking at the perspective of John. We have several Christmas stories in the Bible. We're going to be looking at John's. This is a guy we talked about in big church last week. For those of you who are here, for those that weren't, let me do a quick review of who John was. John was a person who was there. He wasn't there at that first Christmas, but he was, he was there. He, he got to see Jesus. He actually got to see Jesus. He was there when Jesus taught on hillsides and at the temple and among people. He was there, and he heard Jesus teach, like some other people commented, they heard Jesus teach with an authority that no one else had. And, and he had insights that the world had had never heard in that way. And John got to hear it for himself. And John was there when Jesus did miraculous signs. And he did miraculous signs that showed that God was God over everything. God was God over, over sickness. He was able to heal. God was God over nature. He was able to calm storms. God was God over... Dark spirits. He was able to say, Go from that person. And John, it didn't stop stop there. John was there on the first Easter. And he went there and he saw with his own eyes an empty tomb. And this is after he had seen Jesus die. And John was there when, when, when the resurrected Jesus appeared, and he got a chance to see and hear and touch someone who was dead, now alive. And John was there on what's called Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit was poured out in an unprecedented way on his people. So this is who we get to hear from and see. And we learned, if you were here last week, that John himself says, here's why I'm writing these things. And here's what he says about that. In his own words, this is what John says. He says, okay, this stuff that I've seen and the stuff that I've heard, here's why I'm telling it to you. I'm telling it to you because of this. These things are written including the words we're going to look at today, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, that's a powerful thing. That is a powerful thing. And it's particularly powerful when you think about the circumstances when Jesus stepped into the world, because it was a time of silence. It was a time that was dark, it was both of those both of those things. It was silent in the sense of God had been sending these people called prophets who spoke God's words. And we have, we have this gap of about 400 years between when God spoke to these prophets and when God spoke to Jesus. And so it was a silent time. It was also a dark time because God's people had been spread out, these great promises that, that God had because of the people's disobedience. They, they weren't looking like the people I hoped that they would look. They were under occupation by a by a, by a, by another government. It was it was a time that was dark. It was a time that was silent. But there were these great promises. that It wouldn't always be like that. Here are some promises written hundreds of years before Jesus stepped into our world. Here's one out of out of uh, from the prophet Amos. God speaking His word through this man. Amos chapter 8, verse 11, the days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the what? Words of the Lord. So here's one of these prophets, God speaking through him, say, there's going to be this period, it's going to be silent, you're not going to be hearing the words of the Lord, and that's what the people were experiencing, exactly what God said would happen. And then here's another prophecy from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, there were people who walked in what? Darkness, but they got to see a great light. They got to see a great light. Those who were in darkness got to see a great light. Those who dwelt—remember that word—we're going to talk about later. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. For to us a child was born; to us a son is given. And that child born at Christmas was who, kids? Jesus. Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today. Well, let's dive right in. If you have your Bibles, let's open up John chapter one, verse one. Here's where John tells his version of the Christmas story. If you don't have a Bible at home, we would love to send you home with one free today. Um, we have a stack of them that we keep back there at the welcome table, not during the week, but when we're in here on Sundays, we've got them. Feel free to take one. We'd love for you to take one home. It was great. I got another word today that uh, we ran out of Bibles again, and we had to restock. I love that. I love that we're restocking Bibles. So please, if you don't have one, we'd love to stock your home with one. All right. John chapter 1, verse 1. Here's how John tells a Christmas story, and he tells it different Than anyone else. In fact, if you didn't know he was talking about Christmas, you wouldn't even know he's talking about Christmas. That's pretty redundant. Okay. (laughs) As the things that aren't in my notes are. No, it was profound. It wasn't redundant. It was profound. I hope you got that. All right. (laughs) John chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning was the what? Word. Remember the word? Word. (laughs) 16. Word and my notes. Okay, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. This is this is how, when, when John talks about God stepping into the world, when he talks about the Son of God stepping into the world, when he talks about the first Christmas, he uses this language. The Word became flesh. This this it would have been beyond controversial for the audiences that John was writing to. Beyond controversial. It would have been controversial to those who grew up reading what they had at the time, these Old Testament scriptures, the Bible that they had. It would have been con- highly controversial for people who grew up with that. It also would have been highly controversial with people who didn't grow up with the Bible that they had then. Highly controversial for them, too. We're going to look at this. He opens with a boom. Opens. If this were a movie, this would be one of those movies where you're. If they get done with the previews. All of a boom, you're like, oh, I'm not changing that channel." You know, it's is like that. This is how John opens things up. He opens it up with a great big boom. In fact, here's something that I would encourage you to write down in your notes: um, Jesus' arrival, the way that that John frames all this, Jesus' arrival shatters the silence because Jesus is that Word of whom the Bibles talking, and Jesus' arrival shatters the silence. All right, let's continue on. Write this down too, right away here. Um, John testifies that the word, the Christ, Jesus, possesses attributes reserved for God alone. Now, this is why the Jewish people, the people that had the Old Testament scriptures, this is why they would have been going, what, you said what? Because John is saying things about Jesus that you only said about God. You didn't say this about any other person. You only said these things about God. Now, right away, people are going to be, who are reading this from who know the Old Testament, they're going to be thinking in in those terms because look at how, how John sets this up. The first book of the Holy Scriptures was a book called Genesis. And look how Genesis starts. We touched on this a little bit last week for those who were here. It starts off, in the beginning, who created the heavens and the earth? God. God alone, right? God created the heavens and the earth. He's the creator God. The spirit was with there, hovering hovering over the waters, but it's God who created. But now look what John adds to this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Wow. Wow. They wouldn't have been ready for that. They would not have been ready. if They would have either probably had a couple reactions, either, I'm done with this book, or it would have been, tell me more about that. If you were like this, you'd be like, oh, that doesn't fit my understanding. I'm just going to tune that out. I'm not going to look at it. This doesn't look like I think God looks like. But for those who had eyes to see, those who had ears to hear, they're like, tell me more about this. This was, this was profound. This was, this was challenging. Because to the Jewish audience, the Creator God is one, and now he's saying the, there was this word that was with God and was God. The Greek word—this was originally written in Greek. The Greek word that, that we translate here into word was a word called logos, and it's this this word that had had meaning to both the Jewish audience and also to the non-Jewish audience who was influenced by Greek thinking. To the Jewish world, this um, or in the Jewish. Thinking world, the Greek word that we translated here um, conveys a notion of God's own divine self-expression. What I mean by that is is that when God speaks His word, things can come into being. That's how powerful that is. God speaks His word; things can come into being. When God speaks His word, God's divine plans and purposes and passions are made known. So when God speaks His word, things happen. Now. I, I don't claim to be a historian. I won't claim to be a linguist. But if I'm understanding my sources correctly, listen to this. In John's day, it was popular in Jewish thought for theologians, Jewish theologians, to present God's word as both divine and distinct, meaning, in a sense, the word was God, the word was with God. So John hijacks this language, this imagery. And he says, that word, it was the Christ. Now, here's, here's the type of thing that, that I came across. Here, I looked at a whole bunch of different sources, and, and here's kind of a summary statement of, of um, some of the, uh, the, the teachings that I came across about this idea. This one's from uh, one of my, re- my sources here. Uh, according to the standard Jewish doctrine of the day, the word existed before the rest of creation, but was itself created. Unlike what John says there. Developing Old Testament ideas, Jewish teachers emphasize that God had created all things through his word. By declaring now that the word was in the beginning and especially by calling the word God, John goes beyond the common Jewish conception. Jewish teachers emphasize, I'll get this too, this is good. Jewish teachers emphasize that the reward for obeying God's word was eternal life. John declares that this life had always been available through God's word which is the same word that he identifies with Jesus. Okay, kids, how many of you are going, what? Adults, how many of you are going, what? Okay, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've been studying this kind of stuff for years, and, and it still does that to, to, to my head. The main point there, main point of all this stuff we've been saying, is that John said things about Jesus that you only say about God. John said things about Jesus that you only say about God. This word broke the silence. Broke the silence with new understandings, new revelations of who God is. Now, let's keep pressing into this because it would have stretched them even more. And here's why. Because not only does John testify that the word has some of the attributes of God, John also testifies to this. He says that word dwelt as a human. There's a place to write that in your notes. That's huge. The word dwelt among us as a human. Here's where it says that. This is John uh, chapter 1. We're still in the first chapter, verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen His glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I mentioned that um, there were a lot of people heavily influenced in that area by Greek thinking. And if you were a Greek philosopher, you were familiar with the idea of logos. Of and for you it didn't it, it didn't connect with the, the Jewish God for you it was this this thing that was separate and perfect and eternal that was very different than what we experience here on earth and so this kind of thing would have just been crazy how can that possibly dwell in flesh that that's impossible it's eternal it's perfect it's out there how could it possibly dwell here among us how could How could the word become somebody that you can go fishing with? It it just, it would not have made sense to Greek thinkers, at least those who didn't have ears to hear, didn't have eyes to see. Because according to John, the word didn't just appear to be human. The word somehow became flesh and then goes on to say, dwelt among us. Now that dwelt, this is loaded too. And we've talked about this before at different times in in the service here, this idea of dwelt. What that word means, if you were to, in, in kind of more literal translation sense, it's like he set up a tent. The word set up a tent among us, which again, Jewish thinkers, they're going, tent, God setting up a tent. What tent would they think of? Does anyone know what it was called? A tabernacle. A tabernacle. They would start thinking back, wait, God did dwell among us in the tabernacle. But their understanding of what that looked like was so, so, so different than dwelling in a person. And we can miss this. In fact, I'm embarrassed to admit how much I can miss this. I'm, I'm rereading um, through Exodus right now. And if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Exodus 24. Um, this is one section where you get a tiny glimpse of of when when the Jewish people were thinking, when God dwells among you, this is what it looks like. When God dwells among you, it doesn't look like someone you go fishing with. When God dwells among you, this is what they're thinking. When God dwells among you, it is terrifying. It brings assurance when you have enemies and God shows up because God obliterates them. But it's a terrifying thing. A terrifying thing because God is so holy. God is so powerful. God is so awesome. This is... um. One little section that testifies to that. And, and leading up to this, God had shown his glory. He did these wondrous signs on the na- most powerful nation in the world, of Egypt. And he sent these plagues, and he, he demonstrated his power over everything, over their gods, over nature, over everything. And so they had already seen that. And then they come to this mountain, Mount Sinai, and God descends on it. That's where we pick up. Um, Exodus uh, twenty-five or 24, verse 15. Then Moses went up on this mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord, what? Dwelt, okay? So when they're thinking dwelt, this is the glory of the Lord dwelt on this mountain, on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like what? A nice little dove with rainbows and and little guy in a robe of sheep. Is that, is that what it says here? No, what was it like? It was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud, he went up on the mountain, and Moses on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, if you read around that verse, you see things like, they say when the presence of God was there, it was like a devouring fire here. It, it, when the, it was like hearing thunder and lightning. In fact, leading up to this point, the people... They had to prepare themselves. They, they did sacrifices. They had to cleanse themselves. And even after all of that, they could only get so close to the mountain. And they said, if you get closer than this to the mountain, that's how holy and powerful it, this, this is. And then the leaders, you can go a little bit farther. But leaders, you got to stop here. And then Moses and Joshua, you can go a little bit farther. Joshua, you got to stop here. Then only Moses can come here where I dwell. And, and you... The, the person that I'm letting come the farthest, you only get to see a little of my glory. You saw my whole glory with your eyes. die. So anyone else struck by a contrast between that and flannel graph Jesus? You know? And, and this is one of the problems that we have. As, as people growing up in this culture, we're so used to seeing Jesus in all these storybooks and stuff, and that's great but we can lose track of the fact that how amazing that is, that the glory of God could dwell in a person that this powerful, uncontainable God could dwell among us. And then how more amazing is it that we become now the temples of the Holy Spirit and God tabernacles in us. That brings whole new meaning to me. Say, when, when God says, be holy because I'm holy, we consider God is allowing us to be carriers of his Holy Spirit. Wow, how powerful is that? Well, um, let me give you one more little summary statement. This one's a little easier to understand than the last one I read, um, but another summary statement of just kind of this whole idea of of word and what it meant to the two audiences of John's day says this, neither Greek philosophers nor Jewish teachers could conceive of the word becoming flesh. Since the time of Plato, Greek philosophers had emphasized that the ideal, the word, was uh, invisible. It was eternal. Most Jews so heavily emphasized that a human being could not become a God, they never even considered that God might become a human. So do you see how Jesus stepping in, how that, would, that shattered the silence. God spoke in a way that only those with ears to hear could really understand. Okay, well now, not only did Jesus shatter the silence, Jesus also pierced the darkness. There's a place to write that down, too. Jesus' arrival didn't just shatter the silence. Jesus' arrival, it pierced the darkness. Now, I almost feel silly saying that ours is a dark world, because you know that. Think of all the darkness we see on a day-to-day basis, and we hear about The things that people are capable of doing to one another are just shocking and dark. When you think about all the loneliness that people experience and the abuse they endure and and all of the things that aren't the way they should be, this is a dark world. And I, I think about when we're honest and we look inside and the thoughts that we think and the things that we do and say A dark world. And I couldn't agree more with the Bible when it says that that this is like a war. Not like, it is. We're in a war where there's darkness and light that are colliding. And when light collides with darkness, what wins? When light collides with darkness, light wins. And Jesus' arrival, it pierced the darkness. John testifies, there's a place to write this in your notes, that Jesus is the light. Of the world when he reveals these insights into who this Jesus was one of the things he says is he's the light of the world that's how he describes one of the ways he describes um, uh, describes Christ and it's interesting how this ties in with Genesis too you know in, in Genesis the world was dark and when God spoke his word and said let there be light what happened it was light and when the wor- word came into our world in that dark period of time, what happened? There was For all who had eyes to see, all who had ears to hear. This is a big theme for John. Here's just a couple of examples in case you think I'm missing the mark on here. John refers to this light imagery, not just here, but multiple places. In Jesus was life, and the life was the what? The light of humankind. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. You don't want to miss what what he's saying there. In fact, I encourage you to write this down. This is what a big deal this is. John testifies that our response to Jesus has eternal significance. Now, from time to time, we'll talk about the light that God sheds into our world that just gives us help here in this world. You know, We'll spend sometimes several weeks talking about how we can apply the light that God sheds to our relationships and how we can make our relationships better. We can make our families better. We can make our marriages better. We can make our friendships better. We, we talk how if you walk according to the light, that can make a difference. You know, It applies to our, our finances. If we don't do the things the Bible says, do with money, it, it, it can be light. So there's all these practical implications for right here and now. When we walk in the light, it can make a difference in this world. But beyond that, this has eternal significance. Significance. How we respond to the light has eternal significance. Take a look at, at this as John continues on. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness is not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, believed in his name, gave the right to become. Then more than begs the question, do you know him? Are you receiving him? Or are you walking around like this? Or you're missing things that he wants to show you, and and things that God wants to say through this man, Jesus, this one of a kind. Um, Because the promises, look at the promises associated with that. Those who did receive him, those who put their full trust in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So let me leave you with these two scriptures, side by side. One, the first one is one of those words that came through one of the prophets. And the next is, John testifying to the word, and I think these blow one into the other. Hear this, oh foolish and senseless people. And just so you know, I'm one of those. This isn't me saying, hear this, you out there, don't get it. This is me saying this to all believers everywhere. Because we can all be foolish, we can be senseless. We can all have eyes but not see. We can all have ears but not hear. So hear this, O foolish and senseless people who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Hear this, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace. Uh, We make a conscious effort every year to recognize a season called Lent. And Lent is a season leading up to Easter where where Millions and millions of Christians for hundreds and hundreds of years have taken this season to say let 's let 's let 's do this let 's take off the the, the earmuffs and let 's take off the blinders and let 's try to see Christ anew and let 's try to hear him anew and this isn 't rocking science rocking science this isn 't rocking science <laughs> Maybe it is rocket science, but it's not rocket science. This isn't rocket science. There are, there, are, there are these things that God instructs us that can help with that. The idea of repentance. It's a huge length. This idea of allowing the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and saying, God, where am I not in alignment with your plans and your purposes? What in my life is going my own way instead of yours? And God, would you give me the strength and the power to turn from that and to turn away from that towards you? It's repentance. There's a discipline called fasting. And let me offend a whole bunch of you right now. (laughs) I think giving up truffles for Lent, misses the entire point. If you want to give up truffles, give them up at New Year's Day. My New Year's resolution, no truffles, all right? Let me take a sip and let me explain what I mean by that. This isn't just about self-improvement or giving up bad habits. Let Lent be a time where what you're doing is you're consciously fasting in a way, fasting means to go without something, you're fasting in a way that draws you towards God, either by saying, I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And by fasting from food, I get hungry and I realize it is ultimately God only who can sustain me. I recognize that all good gifts come from God. Where, what, what the fasting actually brings your mind to a more God-honoring place encourage you to do that. Or fasting from media. Again, confession time. I I gave up some, some forms of, of, of media. And for the first time, I shared this with the nine o'clock too. For the first time, that song we started with, can we put that song up on the screen that, um, lead me to the cross, lead me to the cross. I I had heard this song dozens of times. Today was the first time I heard the song. Could it possibly be related because I've turned off other stuff in my life? for the first time I heard a song that I'd already heard dozens of times look at this this is the first time ever Savior I come this is how we started that, that worship set Savior I come quiet soul our souls are noisy most of the time aren't they? I'm nervous about this. I'm worried about this. I got to go here. I got to go there. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking, oh, it's silence. Quick, put my earphones on and get something going in my head. Oh, wait, you know, I'm guilty of this. I'm, I'm, I'm eating. No one else is here. Get on the computer. So something's got my attention. I'm in the truck. Turn on the radio. What if we quiet? Savior, I come quiet my soul. And look what might happen when you quiet your soul. This person's singing out. Remember redemption's hill where your blood was spilled for my ransom. Now, that could mean a lot of things, but what struck me at that time was there's different times in the Bible where people say, God, remember your promises. Remember your promises. Do we say that to God because he forgot them? No. We, we say that because we need to remember God's promises. And what a great disposition to come and say, God, remember redemption So You bought me at a great price. You paid the sacrifice so that this moment was possible where I could come to you in humility. And, and I pray, Lord, that you'll quiet my soul so I could hear from you. Just Let's just do one more little line. Everything I once held dear, now I count as loss. If we don't pause on things, we're not going to get to that place where we count it as loss, you know? We think, again, we live in this crazy world we're giving up truffles as a sacrifice instead of this deeper place place. so fasting might be something focused prayer to be more disciplined in that we're so used to buddy Jesus that oh he's just there whenever I need him but what if we thought about Sinai God for a little bit and we're like, what a privilege, what an honor to come before the King of Kings in prayer to, to, to ask for forgiveness, to, to make requests, you know, to, 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 to tell him who he is. Um, what if we got more disciplined during Lent? He said, I'm going to start every day with prayer. I'm going to end every day with prayer. And even more than that, what if we, we didn't just let it happen when we're in trouble? What if, what if this was a season where we said, God, I want to listen respond to you like never before in silence. Um, Music, playing music that bring your attention and focus to God. There's all these different things, these activities that will encourage you to take this season between now and Easter. I'll tell you this, Easter won't be the same. if you. Easter's going to have more punch in a good way. Spend days leading up to it saying, I want to seek you. I want to seek you. This word that you spoke into our world, Let me hear it. Let me see it. And as that happens, boy, imagine what could happen if you had a life without blinders and without headphones. Jesus makes these crazy promises. My sheep hear my voice. Imagine having the voice of Christ leading you through life. Wouldn't that be cool? That the the, the fruit of the Spirit is joy and peace and self-control and all these things. Wouldn't it be great to have more of that? We can. We can. We're invited to pursue that. So let's do that together. Well, um, let me seal this and then move on to that little next thing that we've got in store. Okay, let me, let me seal this time. Let's us seal this time. Father, let's us, no, you, Father, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would seal this time. Seal this time. Lord, seal it through conviction for those that needed to hear conviction today. Seal it as your Holy Spirit, because you talk about your Holy Spirit as a seal. May, 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 may your Holy Spirit seal this time by saying, yep, something deep within people that say, yeah, God, this is truth. This is truth. This is an opportunity you've presented before me. So, Lord, I pray you seal it that way. Or or with specifics, Lord. Give people specifics that they can come out of here saying, yep. Here is something that I believe is from God, that he would would have me to walk out with his help. Seal this time that we've had together. Bless us in that way. Seal this time with the Holy Spirit. Amen.